welcome to One Day Contract, the Panthers talk show, where each week we're joined by a new personality who we've signed to a one-day contract to join the show. One Day Contract is a proud part of the Riot Network. Follow us on Twitter at the Riot Network to stay up to date on all your favorite pods. Subscribe, rate, love us on iTunes. My name is Nikki Wolf, and with me, as always, Josh Klein, managing editor for the Riot Report, co-host of It Is What It Is and is working on his Adobe Illustrator skills to create a Man Hurts Hive shirt. You haven't done that yet? What are you doing over there? The thing is, is like there are so many designs. Actually, somebody, uh, one of our friends um, from CLT Development, uh, developed a, uh, as he does, developed a Man Hurts Hive shirt. But I'm, I'm a real stickler. Like I have a vision. I'm one of those people that like has a vision in my head, but I don't know how to create it. So I don't have the skills to put it like – like a, like a sculptor that's like, I'm going to walk, and they have like a bunch of clay in front of them. And then when you, it just looks like somebody got murdered in front of them. Like they can't actually produce what comes out of their, their, their hands don't produce what's in their brain. That's what's happening to me is I can't produce the man hurts hive graphic that I want. And I refuse, that's right, refuse to put out something that's not up to my man hurts standards. So you're looking for perfection, and this is a few years now in the making. I mean, are we going to have it in five years? Well, I mean, uh, are you auditioning as people now? As we're going to as we're going to get to soon enough, um, the Falcons are really bad against the tight end, so we might need that Man Hurts Hive T-shirt sooner rather than later. That's that's true. Very very true. Our other bestie, Colin Hoggard, columnist and contributor for the Riot Report, lives for the one month a year when his ironic Twitter handle that turns a Panther legend into a semi-scary pun is appropriate. Oh, cranberry is always appropriate. And you know I'm on Club Cranberry over Pumpkin Nation. So just just great to get to represent. You're so Club, weird. Club Cranberry. Gross. Get a, get a grip. Get a life. That's right. If you're going to come after me for liking pumpkin stuff, you can't just slip in Cranberry Foster and be fine with it. Pumpkin people are excited about PSLs in 2020. That's all you need to know. That's right. PSLs make a ton of sense uh, when you're drinking them, not when you're buying them to support a new stadium. (laughs) Is there a Cranberry Spice Latte? Is that a thing yet? A CSL? Yeah. I hope not. No, it seems like that would sell poorly. Did you just say you hope not? Aren't you team cranberry everything? No, I'm I'm team cranberry with with reasonable boundaries. I don't need elderberry beer. I don't need cranberry beer. Like if things can exist, there's more there's more space in the tackle box. Not everything just needs to get shaken up and all squished together in my life. Unless it's like Oreos. Like a thing. All Oreos in in fair game. Cranberry Oreos? Croreos? No, that's not good. Ugh, that sounds, sounds terrible. Sounds Would you dip too- those in milk? I think you dip them in turkey or in gravy. gravy. Yeah. <laughs> gravy. Now, cranberry Oreos, dip them in gravy. It went from a terrible idea to the best idea you've had in at least a month. We probably should not even release this and maybe hit the trademark <laughs> office, like write it down and send it to yourself. That's how you trademark stuff, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Let's, let's hit pause and do that right now. Yep. Let's Sorry, listeners. A- <laughs> Welcome back. We'll, we'll be back. <laughs> On the one-day contract this week, Mike Salarte, sports director at Spectrum News and the king of the Zoom profile pictures and the king of the hats, I must say right now. Welcome. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me. And, and here's my uh, signed uh, contract. I'll drop that in the mail. Mm. Make sure that we're all above board and uh, we're all on board with, uh, you know, we're following uh, league guidelines. 
make sure you certify that and have the tracking number sent to us. We don't want it to get lost in the mail. Absolutely. And uh, I am anti-pumpkin. I am anti-cranberry. Oh. Basically, I'm on Team Nikki with whatever she kind of likes, except for PSLs. I'm not, like I said, I'm not pumpkin, not a pumpkin guy. So, you know. What does Nikki like? So if I'm, I, first of all, I'm not sure how Black I got water. to be the, the leader of the pumpkin people, but I'll, I will wear my badge with honor. Are you um, the big dog of pumpkins? Yeah, I'm the big dog of pumpkins. You're the great pumpkin. Yeah. <laughs> You're the Jack O'Lantern, all right. The pumpkin podcaster of the year. <laughs> Nikki likes everything. I'm the positive one on the show, right? Yeah, that is true. You are the, the breath of fresh air. This is this is a visual medium, right? Can yeah, you all see that? We'll definitely make sure to include that in the profile picture. That's, that's why I'm not podcaster the, of the year. Screen grab for this right there is just Nikki's post. That should be absolutely. It. Or I'll go like this. <laughs> just Maybe you can make a rainbow over me. Yes. That's pretty good. You might have gone too far. Yeah, <laughs> we've made it worse somehow. I'm sorry. Sorry, everybody. Well, cranberry right. Oreos, I think, took us to a pit that we may not be able to pull the nose plane up from. So. But we'll try. Once, once we realized you could dip them in gravy, it's probably the greatest thing we've ever come up with. Well, the thing is, is with these Oreos is they have ridiculous flavors already. So it's like you think to yourself, there's no way they'd have a cranberry Oreo. But it's like they have a peep Oreo. They have, they have 25 different brand, flavors of Oreo. Like, that's crazy talk. How many of them go with meat? That sounds How many cool. of them go with turkey? Well, I haven't scrolled down to the bottom yet, Mike, so we'll see, see where they go. <laughs> none. Absolutely none. I'll save you the trip. Uh, yeah, number right, you're 21. Going down, you're going down the Oreo wormhole right now. Come back to us, Jeff. Please. They've got pistachio Oreos? All right. Not, not with turkey. Carrot cake Oreo. I mean, that's like a vegetable Oreo. So that's kind of, I mean, that's that sounds healthy. Is that under salads? Oh my God. You're reaching. Both, both sold better than the Swedish meatball Oreo. It was not I a actually, popular option. I, I actually thought for Those a second. Let's kill it at Ikea. <laughs> they're, they're really affordable. Very affordable. Yeah. <laughs> you have to put them but you together, have to build though. Them, right? You have yes. to put them all together. Exactly. <laughs> Lots of small moving parts for that one. So we start the show with Nikki's super important question. Um, and, you know, should we talk religion or politics? I don't know. <laughs> um, <laughs> but After I PSL gonna... versus Cranberry, that's the only place to go, really. You know, sure. there's, there's nowhere else to go. Um, I am going to ask this question, though. If you could pick the president of our country from a fictional character, from TV, literature, movies, music, whatever world, who would you pick? And there doesn't have to be any kind of scientific reasoning or anything. I'll give you mine. I love Jack Donahue from 30 Rock, and I've always said I would make that man my president mm. every day. Well, yeah. he kind of does do that already on SNL. So point. Well, he, that proves so he, my point, right? Yeah, there. He's, he's kind of, you're kind of typecasting him there. It's true. He fits the mold. Uh, I see when you say president from a fictional character, I like jump to people that are already the president. Like I'm thinking of Bill Pullman from Independence Day. I mean, as a former, uh, former Navy pilot, um, obviously, you know, gave one of the greatest speeches of all time. Very cool under fire, very cool in a, in a situation, in a terrible situation was able to just move forward. And, uh, I'm trying desperately Thomas J. Whitmore. There he is. That's my president. There we go. Say, I went in a different way. I'm of the belief that we really need someone that can come in and change. Someone that could come in 
and clean house. That's why, to me, the answer immediately that I jumped to was Stone Cold Steve Austin. (laughs) (laughs) A beer truck in every yard, or wait, a beer truck in every driveway. Would would the debate have been better with or without a Stone Cold Stunner? I'll just leave it there, and we can talk Panthers. That's a a really good point. The Luthes, the I mean, if the glass broke halfway through the halfway through that debate, I'm all for changing the song. I change the song. Just give him his own music. Like no, 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 no hell to the chief. The glass breaks, and here comes the president. I think that's what we need in 2021. (laughs) (laughs) Drinking American beer. <laughs> so, the people love it. The people love it. And the dogs. The dogs of the people are all about it, apparently. I would have to I would have to go along Josh's thinking, but I would want Kevin Klein from Dave. Not Bill Mitchell, the real guy. I want Dave. Because Dave bucked the establishment. They told him, Oh, if you cut six hundred million out of the federal budget, you can keep your homeless shelters. And what did he do? He did that him and his buddy Charles Groden? They went. They had bratwurst and chips, and they worked it all out, and they did it in a day. So that's my guy. When you've got Groden as the accountant, you know that's going to be a good movie Absolutely. and a good president. That's why I'm going with Dave. And Salarte's instantly got the female the voter because if you're my age, I think, then your mom has watched Dave at least fifty times at this point. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, the familiarity was there maybe more so than with, like, a Stone Cold for moms. So, so Dave is the guy. I think it's, it's yeah. settled. Yeah. Like had, they're going to sing tomorrow as kind of their big showstopper at the DNC. Like, I'm in. Or the RNC. I don't really even know what uh, what party Dave is from. but His own party. He doesn't need to pick a side. The Dave National Convention. There we the go. The DNC. Go. Although, I, I, should, I should point out, Michael Douglas and the American president. Oh. Pretty good, too. I've yeah. never seen now, it. Now, now you're letting now you're letting moms pick the vote. Now <laughs> you just let them all pick the vote. I'm just I'm there, just saying there. there's an honorable mention in there because I mean he had to face the character issues. He was being pursued. Uh, 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 what, what's the actor's name? Is it Annette Benning? No, no. The actor that was, the actor that was opposing him. He was the do- he was the shark doctor in Jaws. Richard Dreyfus. Mm. Richard Dreyfus was trying to chase him down, and and Dreyfus didn't know what school he went to, and all these you know all the all the inflammatory statements he was making. So I would, if I had to, I'd still go with Dave because he's funnier, but you know. What a career for Michael Douglas. I mean, from Sliver to, uh, was he in Sliver? Or no, I'm thinking of Basic (laughs) Instinct. Basic Instinct. Basic Instinct. He was in another terrible, terrible, very adult erotic thriller that I can't think of. Oh, the the, the one where where, uh, he hired the guy to kill his wife. That wasn't Sliver. No, Disclosure. That's the one that I'm thinking of with Demi Moore, where they were in, they went into virtual reality and they were grabbing files with their hands. That was how, that was was how the, that was how computers of the future were going to work. You were going to put on a goggles and gloves and you were going to go in and grab like, like word documents and be like, Oh, let me just cross these out with my hands. It was, they were this close. They almost had it. They almost Google glass was onto something. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Snapchat glasses. Snapchat glasses. All right, and with that, Panthers talk. And with that, let's get into football. Let's take a look back at this Cardinals game. Were you surprised overall by the way the defense played in this game? Yes, yes, and because it felt like this felt like the first regular season game for me with this defense, where it felt like there was some installation perhaps going on those first three weeks. This felt like the first time 
they were kind of cut loose. Now, I sit here and I do question they, the, the coaching staff does have familiarity both with Kingsbury and Kyler Murray. Did that work in their favor? But overall, this is what I hoped in terms of different guys making different plays um, all over the field. And no, they're not going to shut teams out, but um, I, was, I was really pleased. And if this is what we've got going forward, I think this is going to be a fun year. Let me follow that up, too. I, I think that what we saw from that defensive front was impressive. Obviously, K1 coming back after missing time with the foot injury, that's obviously a huge help when you plug in a pro bowler. But look at the play from the guys like Itor Gross Matos, uh, Derek Brown. I mean, Derek Brown it has been, in my opinion, as good as advertised. And he's four games into his pro career with an abbreviated preseason, no, you know, abbreviated camp, no preseason uh, games to kind of work on his, uh, on his technique, you know, in games that don't matter. Um, and then Jeremy Chin is basically the Tasmanian devil. That guy is all over the field. And it's so much fun to watch him because, I mean, he's just everywhere. And he's in on everything. And uh, so, yeah, I, I think this was a good – this was, to, to Colin's point, it's a good indication of what this defense can do under Phil Snow, how these young guys are kind of melding together, plenty of leadership from, you know, some of the veterans. But, I mean, overall, they're flying – they were flying around on Sunday. And the only, the only blemish, I think, on, on the defense was when Murray got out and scooted for that 49-yard gain when – and I think you tip your cap to, to Murray and say, hey, he saw they were in single coverage – and he knew there was going to be a gaping hole in the middle of the field. So patience, 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 tuck it, run it. And that guy's a water bug. He just goes everywhere. Yeah, it kind of seemed like early in the game they were doing a lot to try and – or Kingsbury was like calling plays to try and get Murray into a rhythm, and then he never got into that rhythm, and then it was just all of a sudden the game was had gotten away from them. Um, I, I Yes, I was – Absolutely. I was impressed by this defense. I was surprised by this defense. I didn't think that, that they would be here this fast. Um, and I think that they have now that being said, I would like to do the same thing I did last week and the week before and the week before. I just want to pump the brakes a little bit because we are just only, we are only four games into the season and it's after the quarter two, poll, baby, it's the quarter after poll. two weeks, I wasn't willing to say that Matt rule needed to get fired and Phil snow was on his way out. But I, I wanted to, but I, I think after four I'm weeks, sitting right here, we don't I'm need sitting to right sit. here. <laughs> I just think that, I mean, just, just if we can just have, pull it back a little bit, have a little bit more of a bird's eye view, 2019, the Carolina Panthers started the season 0-2, their best player went out with an injury, and then they won their next two games, and everybody was like, look, they found their quarterback of the future, this is the whole, like, I mean, uh, it, and it, again, uh, weirdly against Arizona was kind of the coming out party for the Kyle Allen show. I'm not saying this is the same type of situation, but what I am saying is like judging too harshly on the first games is kind of the same is a, is an easier trap to fall just as easy of a trap to fall into as it is to judge very uh, highly on these last two games. Now, that being said, after four games, if you had told me that two of the top, probably the top two leaders for defensive rookie of the year are both on the Panthers that I would have, I mean, you could have, you could have blown me over with a feather, but I absolutely think that is the case uh, unless there's somebody that's crushing it somewhere else that I don't know about, but. You know, obviously we are talking about the Arizona game, but when I look at the coaching, it's not just about this particular week. It's about what I think is an improvement, kind of a trajectory for this team where it feels like stuff is building upon on itself and that to me is really encouraging that they didn't come out week one and they're doing all these wacky crazy things and then game four it's like well we're just gonna play Tampa too because that that stuff is isn't working this to me feels more 
planned out, more methodical. And, and I really, I really am pleased because this is, this is the type of defense. If you're going to build a defense around, around speed and, and with the exclusion of Derek Brown for a moment, but Kyler Murray is the type of guy that this defense should be able to compete with and make struggle. And that's exactly what they did on Sunday. And to me, that that's, that's encouraging. And, and to Josh's point you know, about not, not the lows being too low and the highs being too high, a great coach who recently was at the helm of this football team once said, winning is a wonderful deodorant. And so let's not be caught up in, in the smell of the wind. Let's be, let's be more concerned with what that smell is covering up and fix that as you yeah. go forward. And I, and I think that this team, I don't, I don't think that this team is, is, you know, was looking at the papers or reading, I think reading the comments on Monday and saying, Oh yeah, we're here. They know they've got a long way to go. And they, and they know they've got, you know, they know they've got 12 more games to play, you know, knock on wood that we're going to get 12 more games. But, uh, you know, they know that there's a long way to go for them to, to, to arrive. And wherever this season finishes for this group, whether it's, you know, whether, whether it's a playoff spot, whether it's 2-14, and 14, heaven forbid, um, you know, they will, they will have a much better understanding of what is expected of this team under this coaching staff going forward. Mike mentioned Derek Brown and Shin. Obviously, anyone else on that list that really haven't have impressed you? Um, I just to I, if I could jump in, I don't know whether it's whether impressed is the right word, but like surprised. Uh, I've been really surprised um, by the cornerback group in general. Obviously, Razul Douglas. No, who saw that coming? I mean, obviously they they picked him up off off the scrap heap, and then he uh, turned into a, a starting corner, their number one corner. Um, but I, I think that Dante Jackson has played a lot better. And I, and I said it before the season that I thought that Dante Jackson was kind of the hinge that this defense would turn on, whether he was ready to make that jump to be the guy that could be their number one corner, or at the very least be a starting cornerback in the NFL. So that way they don't, they knew that and they didn't have to worry about it. And I think he has proven that obviously through only four games, uh, maybe a little bit, you know, a little bit injury prone has, has gotten dinged up already over the first four games, got dinged up last year as well. And I could be wrong, but I think he got, I think it was the same his rookie season as well. So I, you know, that is maybe something to clean up, but also like he has, he has looked better and it does make me wonder whether or not that has something to do with the coaching staff and certainly with his connection to the coaching staff, because I think it was pretty clear and pretty obvious to everyone in that locker room and to everyone outside the locker room that Dante Jackson didn't really get along with his coaches and wasn't really happy. And especially near the end of the season, once it was the Perry fuel show um, that, that really, obviously Dante Jackson and Perry fuel were not on the same page, but I, I think that he has, whether it's Evan Cooper, whether it's Matt rule, whether it's Phil snow, things are gelling right now. And that that's, that's good news for the Panthers in their future. It might be that entire secondary group though. I mean, you know, you talk about the youth when you got chin and pride back there kind of, you know, learning, but you know, it's not like Russell Douglas is a, is a first year guy. We're talking about a veteran here. Eli Apple's still in that room, even though not playing. And he's another veteran in that room. Trey Boston is, is a veteran in that room. Justin Burris is a veteran in that room. So these young guys are, are, are drawing, whether they're corners or safeties, they're learning, from some pretty good teachers, some pretty good tutors. And, and then I think you, you plug in the, you know, the, the tricks of the trade knowledge that they're learning from the vets along with the, the system that the defensive coaches are putting in. And these guys are, are maybe, you know, maybe finding their sea legs. And, it's, and it's, it, I agree with you, Josh. It's, that's a good group uh, to identify as getting it done because 
as Trey told us in the season, yep, every year I've been here, it's always a secondary, always a secondary. They had a deep, the front seven's great, always a secondary, but they're holding their own. It's been fun to watch. You guys both went exactly where I want to go, Troy Pride Jr., even through through training camp or the early, what, what if, whatever that phase was before we were actually playing football. You know, it was 2. Derek 5. Brown. 2. 5. <laughs> <laughs> it was Derek Brown and Jeremy Chin. Derek Brown, Jeremy Chin. These are the two guys that are at least going to be ready to contribute day one. And I'll be darned if they don't say Pride's name every week. And I, I, I was – you know, I kind of made a, a joke about him. He seems like a guy that's always going to have his hamstring hurt or something like that, and all that guy's done is, is go out there and make plays. Yeah, I mean, uh, you're absolutely right. And I think that I, – I said it last week, I think, that this was this is the this is what they wanted for Troy Pride. They didn't want him to have to start week one, snap one. They wanted him to be able to play gunner on special teams for a couple games, to be, to be involved in practice, get some reps with the ones. Maybe they rotate him through for a couple series, maybe get some nickel back reps. And then if something does happen, he's able to come in, but that hasn't really been the case. And what you saw over the past couple of games, I think is when he came in in spurts, he looked, he did look that much better in the fourth game versus the first game. And I think that's going to, that was always going to happen, but the speed at which they're able to kind of, uh, get this get this out of their rookies and their young guys. It, it is really impressive. And um, and that is what we were sold on for Matt Rule and Phil Snow and, and even Joe Brady is these their ability to teach and to elevate guys. And even when you look at like somebody like Corn Elder, who was literally released and brought back and released and brought back and kind of everybody had left for dead. Yeah, he had that one bad play where he got bailed out by the overthrow. But Overall, from what I've heard, they're really impressed with him at that nickel slot, um, which I, again, who would have thought that coming into the season that Corn Elder would have been somebody that was actually impressing the coaches? When it comes, when it comes to Chin, final thought on here, Chin and, and, and Troy Pride Jr., I mean, the, the fact that they wanted, you know, like as you were describing there, give them some reps here, get him, you know, kind of get him a taste, get him a taste. These guys are making it hard for the coaches to keep them on the sidelines. Mm. I mean, I think you got to. I think you got to credit the players saying, "No, no, no, we can do this," and and they're going to make mistakes. They're going to. They're going to. They're going to have bumps in the road, but for the most part, they're they're proving that they're absorbing the system. They're proving that they have the physical attributes to belong in the NFL, and they're proving that uh, that they that they can play at this level. And you know, when you've got guys that are out there and they're flying around and they're doing the things that the coaches are asking them to do, and they're having success at it, well, if I'm a coach. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. So these guys are making it hard for the coaches to keep them on the sidelines. And that's a that I think is a true testament to to, to their work and what they've done so far. Yeah, so yeah, we I was were... looking at oh I'm sorry. Just no, a couple I, I know Mike said it was the last point, but guess what, Mike? It's not your show, baby. We could I, I got I'll more stuff to say. On. I'm sorry, my bad. No, we're not moving on to nothing. This is one day contract. We we dig these things into the ground. We talk <laughs> about things until people are like, What is happening? Thirty seconds ahead, thirty seconds ahead, thirty seconds ahead. <laughs> When is Tony Bologna coming on the show? See, um, now, the funny part is they did that 30 seconds ago, and they just heard you say, when is Tony Bologna coming on the show? Like, Where am I? Anyway, um, I, I know fantasy football is not uh, – obviously is not real football, but I saw a stat today that the Carolina Panthers are the – through four games are the second best defense against quarterbacks uh, in terms of what they're allowing. And obviously that means touchdowns, that means yards, and yes – that they're also the worst against running backs. But uh, when you look at some of the real stats, not fantasy stats, the best quarterback rating on uh, when targeted on the team in that secondary 
is Corn Elder at 76, which I was really surprised to find. Next would be Razul Douglas and then Justin Burris and then Dante Jackson. But when you look at kind of those numbers, and all of those are under 85, last year most of those guys were over 100 when targeted at least. Um, some of them much, much higher. So uh, Dante Jackson certainly was much higher. So they, they have come along. And again, that may be a little bit of facing 45-year-old Tom Brady, uh, check down Carr, um, Kyler Murray, uh, who was really good for the first two games, but could never really get started in week four. Um, and then a, a rookie quarterback in his first start. So I will be interested to see how the secondary shows up against uh, Matt Ryan and, um, and the Falcons while – Yes, they have stunk for the first four games. That's still an elite passing offense, an elite quarterback. Yeah, and, and Julio Jones left at last night's game. That's the well. last point, Mike. We're done talking about it. I'm just agreeing with <laughs> Nikki, save us. <laughs> Can anyone save us or this show? Come on. No. No. <laughs> you know, we were not very um, – we're, we're all the time puppies, kittens, and rainbows on this show, but we were not puppies, kittens, and rainbows about this defense – so kind of what is going on here? Do we think they're taking advantage of good circumstances? Is this coaching? Is there more talent on this team than we thought? Is it a hybrid of all of it? What, what does this look like right now? Well, I think as we look at this uh, Arizona game specifically, the one game sample size, the biggest number that stands out to me is 37 minutes time of possession. And this is a stat that's an old school stat, doesn't get a lot of love. But I'll tell you, if you look at the teams, the Ravens, and the Eagles, you know, one more impressive than the other. But those two teams really value time of possession. And I think you see how much how much easier is it to fly around on defense when you're playing defense for 23 minutes. It was Now, Arizona a year ago was really bad at time of possession. Is this more about them or is this about Matt Rule and this team? They did go max protect. They did run some stuff like that. I, I really I, – I think the best thing this this staff can do is try and keep that the number of plays down, the, num- the amount of time down. And that may seem obvious, but I think this defense looks a whole lot different when they've got fewer plays against them. Yeah, 72 offensive plays is a lot, and that's how many of the Panthers ran on uh, on Sunday. And, you know, obviously when you're up by a lot, you can do that. But, I mean, the, the amount of – I mean, just their drives, 13-play drive, 10-play drive, 15-play 15, 15 drive that ended in a field goal, so not great. But um, you don't see those any time that you can take up that much time. I mean, that alone is almost 22 minutes of game time just in those three drives. So, like, that, that's, that's a recipe for a good defense is to stay, keep their offense off the field. So, I mean, obviously – We've kind of said it before, and we're going to talk about the offense in a minute, but it's, it's like the offense, we knew the offense was going to kind of be like this, but the defense playing has been better than expected over the past two weeks, and it's been a, a pleasant surprise. And, and just to be clear, the reason I think this is important is I, I'm a believer, I don't think this is a controversial opinion, the Chiefs are the number one team in the NFL. This is the way that you're going to try and attack the Chiefs. This would be the way you would try and do it, is keep Patrick Mahomes off the field. So, to me, if that's the way you play, you're better, you're, you're better suited to try and do it. And there's really only a handful of quarterbacks in the NFL that if you give them and say, you're only going to have the ball for 23 minutes, there's only a handful of guys in the league that can actually say, okay, we can still win. You know, it's a Mahomes, it's maybe a Drew Brees, or Aaron Rodgers, those guys. I don't, know, I don't know if there's enough confidence in Dak Prescott, but he certainly has the weapons around him that they can do that. But, I mean, there's only a handful of guys that will go ahead and say, yeah, 23 minutes, that's plenty. I can score 30 points in that. 
and and be done. So you know, so, so be it. Your point that is that's a for for a team with so much turnover, new coaches, uh, you know, new okay. everywhere you look. That's a perfect recipe to try to win ball games with. Do you think there's more talent on this offense or on this defense? I know Nikki asked it, but I, I I don't think any of us really touched on it. Do you think there's more talent on this defense than maybe we had thought at first? I think it's incomplete. We're only four games in, um, but I do think that I, I do think that guys like Chin, you know, Chin, a guy that they traded up into the second round to get, they obviously identified him, and he's he's proven pretty well. Troy Pride Jr., a fourth round selection, is all over the field. Um, they're getting a s- contributions from a sixth round defensive tackle, Brevion Roy, who was a practice squad guy and came in, you know, was was promoted and has contributed and has played. Uh, I mean, you know, the only guy that you're really not hearing anything of is Kenny Robinson because he's on the practice squad. Stanley Thomas Oliver is still on the on the, you know, he's a three deep in the corner room. Uh, but I mean, every one of their picks is coming has brought something to the table. So right now. I mean, if, you, if, you, if you're forcing me more or less, I would say there's probably slightly more, but not a whole lot more. Because remember, what you added in those seven rookies, you also lost in 59 in Luke Keekley. And that, you know, there's, there's nobody making up for Luke Keekley anywhere in the league. No, but I do you mean think to hear Whitehead is not making up for, for Luke Keekley. Well, not to hear. We'll have a conversation. Well, no offense to hear, but you need three guys to make up for Keekley. I mean, that's how good Luke was. I mean, let's and be honest. Yeah, I do think, though, that Shaq, you know, when he got signed to that extension, a lot of people kind of, you know, we've seen guys get paid that money. He's out there making plays. He did have the missed tackle, I know, on, you know, one of the early touchdown drive. Then comes right back, makes two plays, you know, back-to-back. Like, I I feel like – I don't think he's an exceptional player, but I think for a veteran guy in in this role, I think he's he's stepped up nicely. Shaq, I don't know if you guys remember, but Shaq, I, there, I was watching the game, and I couldn't tell you exactly what play, what time of the game it was, but Murray rolled out to his right towards the far sideline, and Shaq stuck his foot in the ground and took such a beautiful angle to force Murray towards the boundary, and Murray, I, I think he just threw it away or something, but that had the makings of a play that was breaking down defensively and could have been something for Arizona, and the angle, I, I just, I mean, I sat there watching it and I said, Wow, that was an incredible angle, and that play completely washed out. Nothing happened, um, and, and so I mean, when you get, when you see a guy making a contribution like that, it's it's a simple little thing. But mm-hmm. you hear Matt Rule talk about it all the time. We got to take better angles. We got to be better at you know tackling after contact, not allowing yards. They're they're starting to get those things, and so it's it's a it's a progression. But there might be a little bit more talent across the board on this defense, but it's not very much. So I think they're they're just playing they're playing really well in the last two weeks. It seems like there's a there's a good amount of want to on that defense. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, you got a lot of youth. These guys got to guys got to show. Hey, we belong, right? Well, mm-hmm. we got to go out there and prove it. Because as as you all know, nothing is given in this NFL. You got to go out and earn. Yeah, uh, we, we we said it before the season, and I've been I've been banging this drum for months. But the way to look at this team is this is a young team that you have to take the good take the highs as as high and get excited when you see them. So like right now we should be excited about the way that this young defense looks because there are going to be weeks in this season where they do not look this way. Mm-hmm. And so right now this is kind of the out, the best that they can look, you know, they're getting after the quarterback last week. They're all over Justin Herbert. They're forcing turnovers. They're making plays. They're making good angles. They're, they're getting stops in the red zone there. Like these are the kind of things that where you should be like, man, look at what you, what YGM is doing. Look at what Brian Burns is doing. Look at what Jeremy Chin is doing. What Derek Brown is doing. 
that that is the stuff that you should be like, man, I mean, this the future is bright for this defense, but the fact that the present has been pretty bright is what's really has been surprising and and, uh, and exciting to me. Any other defensive thoughts before we move to the other side of the ball? I think they're just stacking bricks. I mean, they're building for a young team. They're, they're building what they want to be in the future uh, with this group and under Phil Snow. And um, I mean, just here comes the cheese ball reference. Just keep pounding. I mean, really just keep doing it. That's all they got. That's what should be the focus. Just keep doing it. Did it feel like they went from a football organization to a football team on, on Sunday? Like, did it, did it, do you guys feel like they were playing differently? Like, I don't know, the first three weeks, it was like the feeling out process. And it felt like that was like a unit that was playing together week four. Maybe I'm, maybe I just put the wrong, the rose colored glasses on. No, I, I, no, I think that's, I think that's a, it's a fair question. I just, again, I think we're, at, you know, as we're at the quarter pole, I think it's too early to make, you know, big overview assessments of a team that's played four games together and, you know, 30 guys weren't even in that locker room a year ago. So um, I, I think four games in, it looks, it looks good. And, and four competitive games, you know, save for all the mistakes they made against Tampa, all the turnovers. And I mean, that was their worst performance across the board, but they should have beaten Vegas in my opinion. And then they got yeah. the two wins against the Chargers and the Cardinals. So, I mean, they've been in three of their first four games and the one game that they lost, they, shot themselves in the foot, you know, and then reloaded and then shot the foot again. So to me, I think that this is a football team that right now is doing the things that we want to see them do, being a young group under a new coaching staff and kind of the feeling out process. And anything, anything that's positive going forward, you just kind of stack on top, stack on top and, and see where it all comes out. I think the expectations coming into this season were so low because of all the turnover that, you know, it's, it's nice to feel good about the positives. It certainly is. But on the flip side of that, the lows are coming. You know, there's going to be a lull. There's go- it's because that's the NFL. It's not because this team is going to be bad. It's, that's just the way this league is. So, yeah, like, like uh, Josh was saying, ride the highs and enjoy them, but be prepared because it's going to get bumpy at times. They do play the Chiefs. So. And, and the Falcons in the first half. And there, <laughs> that's true. That's a very good point. And there could, be, there could be some rumble strips over the next couple of weeks. Through three quarters. Now, I asked this about the defense. Let's look at it for the offense. Is this what this offense actually is, or are they taking advantage of these opportunities? Now, this one, I think that this is what the offense actually is. I think we are now seeing – we are getting closer to what the Carolina Panthers offense – this was what we thought it was going to be. We knew Joe Brady was going to be a, uh, a high-end offensive coordinator – and uh, when you look at the way that this offense came together on Sunday, yes, Chris McCaffrey wasn't there, but I didn't see Teddy Bridgewater, you know, going deep particularly often. This was – he was accurate uh, when he needed to be. He scrambled when he needed to do it. He basically managed this game. I mean, you don't have 10 play drives. You don't have 13 play drives. You don't have 15 play drives without, without getting, getting the job done. And people want to say game manager is a bad thing, but I don't think that's such a bad thing. The game manager's not throwing it 37 times, completing 26, going for 276 and a passer rating of 98 and a half. But why does it I mean, have to be such a, game, a bad that's, thing? That's not a game. That's not a game manager. That's a but quarterback t- playing to win. That's a quarterback doing. I mean, going out and doing it. I mean, Trent Dilfer was a game manager. And no, Teddy, that's not a bad Teddy thing. said it himself. He said, if you throw, if you, there are only two types of quarterbacks. There's gunslinger and game manager, and there's nothing in between. And that's not that's not true. A game, he could be. You're positive. the one playing by those rules. 
I don't. Say, I, I, disagree, I disagree with Petty on that. I think you have gunslinger that throws it sixty times a game, and you have game manager that throws it fifteen times a game, and then you have quarterbacks who run an offense, who who direct the offense, who guide the offense, who throw it thirty-seven times and complete twenty-six and throw for two seventy-six, run for a score. I mean, that's a complete performance. That's not a game manager. So, I, I, and, and Teddy Bridgewater is, and you know, and I. I I tr- I, I'm trying not to be too wrapped up in his story, but you kind of have to be. I mean, he's a guy that when he got hurt in 2016, a lot of folks thought, forget about playing football again. This guy may have to learn to walk on a prosthetic, mm-hmm. like he was going to lose half his leg. And here he is. And that's why I asked him the question yesterday, you know, you know, is that another box you checked off? And he's like, no, I'm over that. I, I've checked all the boxes. That was just another touchdown. I'm like, well, damn, I'm just the only one that feels like this is a feel-good story anymore. He just, he's all past it, which is cool. But, uh, you know, look, Teddy Bridgewater is not a game manager, and he's not throwing it enough to be a gunslinger. He is He's performing quite well as a quarterback in the NFL. And I think that, is, that to me, you don't, you don't typecast the guy or you don't, you don't label a guy when he's going out there doing his job playing to win like he's doing. I think, I, I think he's been outstanding, with the exception of the Tampa game, and he'll even tell you he was bad now. No, I mean that—that's indisputable. I don't know. Like it's on tape. Like, what are you yeah. gonna say? Like, yeah, I stole it. <laughs> uh, it, it. Here, I view it as franchise quarterbacks, starting quarterbacks, and then game managers. And I think it, you know, game manager does, means that you need it. What? Where does Mitch Trubisky fall on on that scale? On that spectrum? Not on the scale. Oh, okay. he, falls in, he falls into the backup quarterback. <laughs> Got it. Okay. All right. I just wanted to know. Like, I, I just right wasn't now. sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> no, you, you, you know, the franchise ones, you got, you got Russ's, you got Rogers, you all the, the big ones. And then a starter can make plays for you, but you're not necessarily going to say, this is the dude. Like with, with Minnesota, Rogers is going to make all throws, all of the decisions, all the plays. And then a game manager needs a plus defense, a la Trent Dilfer in 2000, to, en- to enable him to be less than a standard starting quarterback, but yell- yet sufficient enough and not turn the ball enough uh, over enough uh, to, to hinder the defense and ride that to a championship. Yeah, I, I think somehow we got into the – that I was insulting Teddy Bridgewater's week four. I wasn't. I, I thought he played very, very well, and I thought that he is running this Joe Brady offense. We talk, I mean, the way that, that we were kind of sold on this is that Joe Brady's offense and Teddy Bridgewater's offense is the same. They, they are they, – it's Teddy's offense, it's Joe's offense – Teddy can run this thing, knows this thing like a back of his hand and is going to come in and teach it. And I think over the first three weeks, he, he looked a little bit, whether it was him or whether it was the other guys on the offense, it's hard to tell. They didn't feel, look like they knew it maybe a hundred percent, but now it does look like they're a hundred percent. They're, they're, they're getting there. Maybe not a hundred percent. Obviously we're only four games into the season, but I look at a team that you had uh, eight different receivers in the first half. That is, uh, that is almost a hundred percent. That is like, that to me sums up what we thought the Joe Brady offense was going to be. And when I say eight different receivers, it wasn't like, well, he hit Christian McCaffrey, Mike Davis, and Reggie Bonifon all on three different of the same swing passes. It was five different, uh, it was two different tight ends. It was five receivers. It was a running back. It was a full, like everybody across the field, you, there were so many options on that field that the Cardinals just couldn't cover everybody. I mean, they threw a, a pass up the seam to Manhurts that, they had they basically like had to commit pass interference on him because he was schemed up to be open. So it's like 
This is what we knew it was going to be. And the fact that they're doing it without Christian McCaffrey, once he comes back, I, I don't think that this is a case where it's like, well, once Christian comes back, he's going to get so many touches. I mean, Mike Davis had what, – what did he have, 20 touches? Like, I don't think that that is so, that is so out, of, uh, out of the realm of possibility for Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, he had 16 – yeah, 21 touches. 21 yeah, touches. carries and five catches, yeah. Yeah, and eight on eight targets. So you assume Christian catches those other three. That's 24 touches for Christian, and that's still the same amount of touches for everybody else. And Christian probably breaks two of those uh, screen passes for more yards. So it's like, I think that what you're seeing right now is the Joe Brady, uh, the Joe Brady offense starting to come together and that Joe Brady effect starting to, starting to happen. Because one of the things that we kind of banked on and almost said was a, was not even a, uh, not even a question was a foregone conclusion was how good Joe Brady was going to be. And, uh, I mean, we're kind of seeing it now. At the start of this, you said that you think this is what the offense is. This is what it will be. And I, I'm just going to hold this up here to remind you that 22 is not on the field the last two games and won't be on there again. And the vision that I have, the image that's in my head right now, is Joe Brady in a white lab coat with a white fright wig, and he's in the lab mixing up how we're going to get 22 in there to get, you know, to maybe not touch it as much, not have as many carries, not do as much. And I can still have Davis out there and I can still have Bonifant out there because I'll tell you what, those two guys, the, the three of them, Christian does everything. Davis is a, is a bowling ball with legs and Bonifant can slash a little bit now. Now, if you get maybe, let's just say 12, 13 touches between Davis and Bonifant going forward. That's 12 or 13 touches, say, in the first half that McCaffrey doesn't get. And then you get into fourth quarter winning time, and you got 22 over there saying, I still got a lot of juice left. This I, is, you know, this is this is Brady mixing things up with the crazed hair, and it's alive, it's alive. And his offense can be something completely, uh, maybe even bigger than he even envisioned. And this guy, I mean, we've all talked to him. You know how his wheels spin. He's always thinking about, you know, trying to – trying to do something different that defenses haven't seen and how can I best utilize my guys and analytics and, and plotting and scheming and planning. When you get those three guys, because Matt Rules even said, I didn't know much about Mike Davis or Reggie Bonifant because I hadn't seen him play. He's seen them play now. And now I think it's a conversation between Rule and Brady saying, all right, when 22 comes back, uh, you had another ingredient to this offense. Go to town. Let's, let's, see what, let's see how these guys can really cross up defenses and, and how we can – you know, counterpunch guys. And I mean, heck, it might be, it might be a situation where you have Davis and McCaffrey on the field with Davis in the backfield, you split Christian out wide. Now what's a defense to do? So you know, this, I mean, is, this, this is where I, I think you're all over it, Mike, because their ability to dictate to uh, opposing teams, Josh, you mentioned it, two tight ends. We're talking about three running backs. There's four different wide receivers. If your defense has a weakness, oh, you only have three cornerbacks? Guess what? We got four wide receivers. You got this. You got slow linebackers that are great at blocking up the middle? Guess what? We're going to the outside. The, the, I did not see coming the max protect set out of the Panthers' offense against Arizona – and then DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel are both off the field. And I'm going, oh, not putting this play down. Max protect set with no Samuel, no more. This is good. You know what? Good play. Nicely done, Joe. <laughs> I believed you knew the whole time. Nicely done. It's just so many options and so many opportunities for this team. 
once you add McCaffrey back to the mix. And I mean, you know, we're, we're talking about one of the most dynamic players in the game today. And it, I mean, there are a lot of reasons for, for Panthers fans to be optimistic and upbeat and, and happy about what they've seen through four games. What's been your biggest surprise so far for about this offense? Uh, I, it's the, I, I think I said this last week and I, I, it's been the lack of involvement for, for Ian Thomas. I, I really did think that Ian Thomas was going to, and I know that he caught a touchdown this week and, um, and he was a little bit more involved, but I did think that this was, he was like, he was kind of being groomed to make that, not make the leap, but kind of move up a little. And, and we just haven't seen it thus far. And again, we're only four games into the season, plenty of time left for him to have, you know, three good games for a tight end. And then all of a sudden, I mean, you got the Green Bay guy, Robert Tanyan, is like the best tight end in the league right now. And nobody knew his name on uh, Saturday. So he played the Falcons. I knew his name on Wednesday when I picked him up in fantasy. Hey, oh, there you go. If, <laughs> if we're doling out fantasy advice, though, I mean, I'm, I'm sure I'm not the first person to say it, but when you, the Falcons have given up seven tight end or seven touchdowns to tight ends, uh, the most in the league, the last on Monday, they gave up three to Robert Tanyan uh, the week before they gave up two, I think. And then the one before they gave up a touchdown as well. So it's like this, the Falcons are bad against the tight end. So if you're thinking about tight ends, if you're maybe streaming, I'm just saying Ian Thomas, but I'm also saying hashtag man hurts. Life. That's all. <laughs> How many years is it in a row that during the off season Panther fans on Twitter have, have, have come to love a wide receiver that would surely make a difference for this franchise is it every year that twitter's existed yeah well i mean it's my favorite was when somebody i don't know who said it and i apologize if if you're listening and you said this on twitter but like uh juan thornhill had a had a interception and somebody was like oh i wanted the panthers to draft thornhill and it's like come on (laughs) dude like really like thornhill was like a sixth round pick and like, I, like, I get it. Like, it's one of those things where like, I always, I really like Vita Vey or Vita Vea. And so like, every time they play Tampa Bay or every time I see Tampa on, I'm like, look at that guy, man, that guy could have been a Panther. And it's like, yeah, I mean, he could have been, but like, I mean, yeah. he was on his board. I mean, he's on my yeah, it's high up. Well, it's it, looks- like, it, it was like the corner that they had a couple of years ago that caught on with the uh, green, uh, I don't know, not, not Cole Luke, but it was somebody along those lines where he got cut in camp and he couldn't play for Ron Rivera's defense. And next thing you know, he goes to green Bay and he's a starter and he's, you know, he's got like 80 tackles by the end of the year. And he's, you know, he's active and a couple of picks is like, Oh, he could have played here. It's like, you just don't know. I mean, you just don't know. I'm but. sure. Do you think our Eagles fans, uh, like, are, are they just, are they crying themselves to sleep about Razul Douglas? Pro- I mean, I don't know. I'm sure they'd like him back. <laughs> Probably. I'm sure but, they'd like him back. Yeah. The, the reason I ask him, well, look, we all fall for it. We've all wanted a wide receiver. I don't think that there's been a wide receiver that, that the Panther fan base on Twitter, or on social media, wherever, has coveted that has come in or would, that would come in and been as productive as Robbie Anderson has been. Uh, he has been – because DJ Moore, and, and we're keeping it positive, I think there's a DJ Moore conversation to be had going forward. Um, you know, but Robbie Anderson has come in and been, you know, it seems like Teddy's security blanket from, from the jump. And I don't think anybody thought, saw that one coming. I, I did not see that coming with Robbie Anderson. I really, really did not. That's a good point, Colin, because, uh, you know, it, with the Jets, I mean, he had the – in fact, it was against Carolina, I think. He had like a 60 or 70-yard touchdown yep. catch. Uh, and, and I thought, well, you know, that's like his one shining moment. Because you really – he had like – it was feast or famine for him. It was, you know – 
10 targets, eight catches, 120 yards, and two touchdowns. Or it was six targets, one catch, 15 yards. There was no in-between. But he's come into this situation, and, and like Colin said, he's been a security blanket. He's been – I mean, if, if, if Teddy needs a completion, his eyes are looking for – for 11 off in the nut. There's nothing wrong with that. Week seven, week eight, week nine, it might be a problem. That's where you want to see maybe the DJ Moore conversation that you guys are talking about. Uh, you know, Curtis Samuel, whomever, someone's got to, someone's got to be, you know, someone's got to be a, a, an option for Bridgewater when he needs to have that, that catch. I mean, for a couple of years, there was Jarius Wright on third down, third and seven, 13, you know, third and six, 13, third and 15, going to 13. But, <laughs> No, I mean, but right now it's it's been Anderson, and that was going to be my guy because that's why I wore the you know what's that bear doing shirt. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I, no, I, I completely agree with you. I actually uh, when I was in the um, on Sunday when he had I don't remember what it, I think he had like a catch on third down over the middle, and he broke a tackle, and he was and he sprinted across the field, and I and I just said out loud, kind of to nobody, um, man, I just did not see this coming from Robbie Anderson, and Joe Person was sitting next to me, and he goes yeah, I'm tweeting the same thing. And like within two seconds, we had the same tweet go out, which was like, I just didn't see, like, I just didn't think this was going to happen. I think everybody, I mean, I don't know how many times you said the phrase, take the top off the defense, but that was how you described, like it was one of those, like you couldn't say Robbie Anderson without, uh, without saying take the top off the defense. So uh, I think, you know, and I, I do agree. I think this is one of the things where he's had a really good first quarter of the season, but I do think there is room for more of these pass catchers to shine. I don't think that there that this is the end of the story for DJ Moore. Also, DJ Moore has more yards now than he did last year through four games, the end of the year with 1,100 or almost 1,200 yards last year. So it's like if he ends the year with 1,200 yards again this year, I don't think anybody's going to be sad. Um, although I think we all kind of, I know I did, I expected him to kind of, to, to be what Robbie Anderson has been thus far in this offense. So uh, I, I think that it's um, it, it's just, yeah, no, I, I just didn't see it coming. Well, one thing that I'm happy about with this current discussion and, and this topic of the surprise is that nobody has said Mike Davis. And mm. I'm, I'm glad that we're not surprised that Mike Davis is contributing. Now, he didn't have a ton of yards on the ground against the Chargers, and he didn't get to 100 last week against Arizona. But it's not about how many yards the guy is gaining. It's about the fact that he's, he's there, he's reliable, he's steady, he's, he's catching the ball out of the backfield. He had a great pickup on a blitz that bought Teddy a little bit of time. Uh, I mean, he was right there in pass pro, sunk his hips, made the block, took, you know, took, on, took on the rush. I, I'm, not, I'm glad we're not surprised that this guy is taking advantage of this opportunity that he's been longing for his entire career. And we yeah, said, I'm, you know, preseason, we liked the idea of Mike Davis. We didn't know whether or not he was going to be able to play, you know, or it's been out of the, the, the game for a little bit. But a stat that matters in real football that doesn't matter on spreadsheet football, the 211 consecutive rush attempt graphic that they showed during the game, the ninth most, 211 consecutive rush attempts without a fumble for Mike Davis, which is top 10 in, in the league right now. Ball security matters in real football and having a backup running back that comes in and has done the same thing and, and kept that ball security level high as well. That's something that a lot of people take for granted. Um, but it, but it's not something that you can, if you're actually carrying the football. Yep. Uh, just real quick, one more. I, I just, I had this stat all ready and prepared. So I wanted to get it out there for the people about Robbie Anderson that among wide receivers who have more than 30 targets through four games, 
uh, NFL next gen stats record separation. Um, number one in the league is DeAndre Hopkins. Number two in the league is Robbie Anderson. So I, I think that this guy, when we thought he was going to be a deep threat, he has been able to get separation and it's just been better. And the same thing, just like you said, uh, Colin, that we talked about it before the season, that if you just took talent and you didn't look at the fact that he had a $3 million salary cap hit, you would want Mike Davis on the team. But everybody said, well, it's $3 million, it's dead cap money, blah, 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 let's get him out of here. To me, it was like, well, if you want to back up for Chris McCaffrey, and obviously that, that turned out to be the right decision, hindsight. Uh, hindsight, but also based on the individual – You've got the cap space. Is Mike Davis is the kind of guy – I mean, that's what Mike's talking about to me. Like, that's the kind of guy you want in your locker room. Hey, we've got cap space. There's no, there's no harm. We're not going anywhere. We're not going to the Super Bowl. We're not trying to press every button, you know, pull every lever to do everything we can for this year. Keep someone around. Keep an individual around that matters to you and matters to your culture and can contribute on Sunday. How dare you? you? This team is 2-2. Two and two. They are going to the Super Bowl. <laughs> I just, just on your point about the separation, they're they're measuring the separation between the DB and the receiver. Like yeah, they got the chips now and the shoulder pads. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Well, that's I, I did. That's a that's a good stat because I, I was not aware that he was that he was in DeAndre Hopkins' neighborhood in that regard. And that's now that's that being said, it's like an average thing. So he may yeah. have been twelve yards away from somebody <laughs> on seventy-five yard, t- but it's like when when they have over thirty targets, it's like. Yeah. That, that makes it a little bit – Well, that's a, I'm, I'm, a good I'm sample size. That, that, that's good to know because that's that's obviously something that the opposition is looking at. They're like, uh, don't let this guy behind you because if this guy gets behind you, it's done. You're coming back to the sidelines. It's true. So, yeah. Before we move on, question for you. Are you ready to start getting excited if the Panthers beat Atlanta this weekend? I mean, Josh already is. He proclaimed Super Bowl, but – I've already bought my tickets to Tampa. I'm gone. I'm there in February. It's a nice vacation for me. Um, not, um, yes. I mean, no, no more excited than, than you should be right now. I think just like, just like we said, highs and lows. I think this team is, is kind of rolling right now. They have a juggernaut of a schedule in the last, I think a lot of people that are like, well, they're, uh, well, actually their juggernaut of a schedule got a little bit easier now that Minnesota and Denver stink. Um, but anyway, um, that, that never happens. Yeah, weird, right? I thought strength of schedule stays the same from beginning to end of the season. Uh, but, no, I, I think you could be excited about the youthful exuberance of this team, but if you are trying to think to yourself, well, like, we're a bit, like we can compete for the NFC South and for the division and, and for the conference, I think maybe, for me, it's like maybe pump the brakes on that. Well, I, I, I think – Go ahead, Colin, go ahead. I was going to say, I think any pick other right now, you know, and again, four weeks, we've said that enough. You guys can turn it into a drinking game. Um, that I think any pick other. Don't overreact. Green, it's four weeks. Four any, weeks. Let's keep any, our composure. Any NFC pick other than Green Bay or Seattle feels a little bit like a, like a hipster pick um, to me right now. So like, I, I'm optimistic about this team and I look at it a little bit differently, Josh. I don't know if it's, I, I don't know if I just feel like I, I met, you know, uh, the young man that my daughter's dating for the first time with Matt Rule. But I feel like I'm breathing a little bit easier after, after watching this this week. I, it's not that I'm, I'm convinced that I, I, I want him to get married or anything like that. But I'm just like, I think my daughter's going to be home by 11 with Matt Rule running my NFL team right now. I feel, I feel like that was for a coaching staff that we didn't know coming in. I feel like they've passed my kind of initial test. So they rang the doorbell. 
and you were kind of holding your breath when you opened it, but there's no nose rings, you know, there's no leather cuffs. Yeah. There's there were no, 13 like, guys, you know, in the car saying, like, whoa, 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 we don't need all that. Like, you know. He doesn't stink of whiskey no, opening the door. Right. It's not a, it's not a sup, dad, like that yeah. kind of a greeting. Yeah, like he didn't, he didn't lose it in the first month of postseason press conferences. You know, he knew, it just, just some various checks that I feel like he has passed. He's bathed recently. It's, it, again, this isn't a big. This isn't the big. The big test. Didn't this have a terrible just, fake punt. Oh yes. Uh, actually, we should. Oh, that's, oh. <laughs> that was in the preseason. That was in the preseason. That's right. Week I'm one just, starts now. I'm just. I'm just curious. How in the hell do I follow that answer? <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying. I'm not saying it works, Mike. I'm searching for something that's just saying. I feel like we've seen some competence out of Matt Rule that sometimes in first year coaches you don't always get. And your football team won't get pregnant because of it. There you go. <laughs> okay. There you go. And you're not stuck. You're not stuck paying for six years over a kid you didn't want in the first place. To answer your question, Nikki, my biggest concern about week five is <laughs> Atlanta. I, I'm going to try to do it. I mean, you know, you know, there's a deep drive to left, and the president is the is professional. Got COVID and, yeah. Uh, um. My biggest concern about week five is playing an Atlanta team that obviously feels like, you know, they've got to do something. And Atlanta's always a house of horrors for Carolina. doesn't matter if it's the new building or the old building. Every time I've driven down there, I always have that sick feeling in my stomach. I'm going down there and they're going to, I'm just covering, I'm driving four hours to cover a loss. It just always feels that way. It doesn't necessarily feel that way this week, but if Carolina does the things that they've done to prepare for each game coming in, um, then I think they, they've got a better than a puncher's chance, given injuries that, uh, that Atlanta is dealing with right now. Even though they're throwing it all over the place, Matt Ryan's throwing it all over the place, um, I, I do give Carolina better than a puncher's chance of getting a win and not getting pregnant. Well, do, it's like, oh boy. Do two and two teams have trap games? Is that a thing if you're two and two? <laughs> I think I think with this rivalry there is right. Like I, I, I want to be like it's I mean, a trap I mean, game, but we're two and two. Right, you're absolutely right to call it that because it it just always feels Carolina. Atlanta. Someone's scoring one. Someone's scoring seventeen. Right. You just don't know who's going to. Unless be Julius Peppers is taking it right out of Michael Vick's hand and going seventy-eight yards for a touchdown, you just don't know what's going to happen. Right. Let's talk about Marty. Let's move on. So, how much of this start does Marty get credit for? You mean Marty Herney? Yeah. Yes. What, uh, other, what other Marty would you like to talk about? Can... <laughs> um, I, I mean, he built a lot of this roster, right? Like it's a completely new roster. I mean, he brought a lot of these guys in that like, I think he's going to get, I, I, here's the thing. If we were going to blame him for them going 0 16, we would, we have to give him credit for whatever they actually end up doing. So I think when you look at, for me, it's like looking at the draft when right now it looks like he may have nailed the first four picks, which is pretty impressive. Maybe not nailed, maybe YGM might be overshooting with nailed, but three out of four picks look pretty darn good after four games. And I think to me, that's wait, pretty wait, impressive. Which is the one that doesn't look good? Gross Mato? Yeah, and it's the one that's all, I mean, knocking the ball out of the quarterback's hand. That's, that I, listen, I didn't say he looks bad. I just said I'm not. I'm not ready to say that he nailed that pick when he's had one good play basically in four well, games. It, well, and he was sick, and like okay. I get it. 
Okay, no, I, I, that's that's fair. That, I just want to see. I wanted to make sure we're still basing this on sample size, but we're also talking about a guy who maybe had his best game as a pro after missing two days of practice because he was sick. Sure. And and he and he played pretty well. And and I think for a defensive end, I think this is a guy that still is. I, you know, I mean, he's a, he's a young man, but in the NFL, he's still a child. He hasn't filled out his body. That guy's going to put on weight. He's going to pick up strength. He's going to improve as he goes through the league. And so uh, to me, I mean, like, like you know, I, I talked about the, the draft picks earlier. I mean, you know, five of the seven guys they took have seen snaps this year, you know, important snaps, and, and some have made play. You know, well, I mean, sixth rounder Bravion Roy's made a, you know, made a play, made a couple of plays in the Tampa game. So to Nikki's question, uh, I think you got – I agree with you, Josh. I think you have to give Marty Ernie some credit because, you know, 30 guys, 30 new faces in this roster, and it's 53 or 54 on game day, and now 16 on the practice squad. And pretty much all those guys have, you know, have Ernie's stamp of approval, you know, the guys that he brought in. So, um, yeah, I mean, blame him when it's bad, but you got to credit him when it's going well, and it's going well through the last couple of weeks. And isn't Marty Meatballs credited with bringing in Matt Rule? I mean, isn't he the one that really pushed for Matt Rule? I mean, if he picked, if he picked the draft and picked Matt Rule, that's to go cross sport here. That's that's multiple extra base hits at the plate in an off season. I mean, that's that's a good that's a good off season. I don't know how you could evaluate Marty as having anything other than a good off season. It's a three yeah, pointer and a slam dunk. I, I... I don't know that we've uh, I don't know that we've ever gotten the actual dirt, and maybe you have, Josh, because you're a lot closer to it. I'm you're covering the Panthers. I'm covering like everything in my job, but I don't know that we've ever gotten the actual dirt on who identified Matt Rule first. Was it Marty or was it David Tepper? Because you know, remember when Ron Rivera was was let go, the new coach was going to be a guy who was young, fresh ideas, believed in analytics, all of these things. And when I heard Tepper say analytics, I'm like, okay, so this is going to be somebody we probably don't even know. And I didn't know Matt Rule. I, I gave up watching Baylor football when I left Lubbock, Texas in 1995 when I was covering Texas Tech. So, um, yeah, I, I didn't know Matt Rule, but then you start hearing how he's doing things. It's like, okay, so is this was this a Tepper pick that Herney said, let me do some homework on him and I'll get back to you? Or was this Herney saying – you want a guy that does all this, this is a good starting point. Two things on that. I, I'm not sure whether it was Herney that brought it to Tepper or Tepper brought it to Herney, but I know that Matt Rule was kind of the – he was kind of like a hot name in the coaching circles. So I would imagine he was kind of – he was he was lingering around there. But I do know that um, – I, I was told that that Marty and, and Dave went to visit Matt Rule like quickly after Ron Rivera was fired, like mm -hmm. in December – um, so I, like that was during the season. That was when Perry Fuel was still the interim head coach. And that may have been the guy that where we heard Tepper say, you know, that was why I had to get rid of Ron Rivera because I heard that other teams were interviewing head coaches. And so I assume I didn't hear of him talking to anybody else except for Matt rule. So I assume that's who that was. And my, my instinct and from kind of what, from I'm sure you kind of feel the same way. Every time that I've had any sort of interaction with David Tepper, I would imagine that uh, that that David Tepper is the guy who makes these decisions rather than Marty Herney, like on on a, on the head coach. You know, I think that the, the, this, oh, I, I, yeah. the final call, absolutely. But like I say, where where did it begin? Was it Marty saying, right. you know, or was it Dave saying, 
this is the guy. But we're, yeah, at the end of the day, you're right. It, you know, Martin, you know, Marty can say, well, I, we've got, you know, Matt Rule and we've got Coach A and Coach B. These are our three best options. And then presents the case for all three or they interview all three. But if they were in, and yeah, the, the interviewing process of going out and meeting with Matt Rule back in December, um, that, you know, we're, we're conspiracy theory, theorizing here. But I mean, that, that, sm- that smells like a David Tepper saying, I like this guy. Let's go see what he's about. Yeah, that, 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 I agree. That's kind of how but it the, comes up to me. Yeah, well, I mean, the uh, where do the meatballs fall into the equation? You know, that did he have the meatballs at all? All the interviews, we don't know these kind of things. These are the kind of things right. that you may we may never know, possibly unanswerable questions. Right. There's no way anybody, given what left this organization in terms of Cam, Olsen, Luke, Rivera, that after week four we thought we'd be doing this podcast. No. To, to For anybody in that organization, I think at this point you, you give them a pat on the back, it's four weeks in, it's too early to judge. Josh, so all you can do is pat him on the back and say thanks for a fun first month. Okay, you guys, uh, we're an hour and four minutes into this podcast, so I have to say this, that uh, earlier in the season, or earlier in the offseason, we talked about how uh, this was a rebuilding year and they were gutting the team and they were going to, and they, they needed to kind of bottom out and tear things down to rebuild things and, and be as bad as they could this year in order to kind of stockpile assets for the future. And I said in the offseason that it didn't feel like Marty Herney and Matt Rule were on the same page. And Marty Herney was building the roster in order for them to be kind of okay this year and in, in so that he could preserve his job. And to me, if they finish 6-10 and 10 this year and they lose a bunch of these guys in after their one-year deals, and yes, they have a young defense, and yes, they can get better. And I'm not saying the world is ending, but it's kind of if, – if Marty Herney gets an extension because they went 6-10 and 10 this year – I'm not sure that that is part of the, the, the right process, if that makes sense. Well, I think if you frame it, Marty got a contract extension because the team went six and 10, that's part of the problem. Like if that's the framing that you use, then that's, that's an issue. If you say that this defense continues to make plays, maybe they got tired, maybe they got you know, banged up over the season, they finished up six and 10, but you're really encouraged about this defense and this offense gets to the level that we think it could be. That seems like a perfectly reasonable reason to re-up a, a general manager to me. It's fair. Yeah, it's fair. I, I, I agree with you, Colin. I, I mean, if they go 6-10 and 10 and Marty Herney stays, I have no problem with that. If they go 2-14, and 14, what are the circumstances that they went 2-14 and 14 in? You know, did Christian McCaffrey come back in week five and suffer a season-ending injury? And then you had two receivers go down and Teddy Bridgewater goes down and the roster looks a lot like it did. The offense looks like it did last year after Cam went out and Kyle Allen, you know, once teams figured him out, you know, was, was turning it over at will, you know, it, it, to me, I think it just, we've lost Nikki. I think to me, we just look, uh, we just, we have to look at this thing at the end um, as the sum of all parts as opposed to, oh, four weeks in, let's get, let's throw Marty a, a five-year deal. I think that you have to – I think that this, this particular situation that you're posing has to be taken at the end of the year, period. As no, we've no said, what the record is. four weeks into the season, yep. don't want to judge too harshly. If you're drinking out there, apologies. Well, you know, there's a lot of people that will go and get guys based on 40 times or whatever it is, old scouting reports. This, this group – who, whoever it is, whether it's Marty, whoever, they went and found a bunch of guys that have chips on their shoulders. And, and for me, as a fan, that's, that we're going through a recharge, whatever it is, give me a bunch of guys that play like that, and let's grow from there. So I, I just – I couldn't say enough about the way this team, 
you know, is really played. And when they were putting this roster together, it seemed like all those chips had a Temple logo on them. Mm-hmm. And we all thought, Temple, come on. We're not talking about a powerhouse. In Te- These Temple guys are playing okay. I mean, you know, like you say, Temple, when you think of Temple, I, I'm, and I'm showing my age here, I'm thinking of John Chaney coaching Temple's basketball team. Mm-hmm. I'm not thinking about their football team at all. Yeah, they don't but, play football in the palestra. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, yeah, I write, you know, Right now, it, it it's it's going well. But again, enjoy the highs, but be, be for the rump because they're coming. They all NFL season. So, does that mean you think Julio's playing? Because that's the rumble strip that I'm worried about in the immediate future. I, I, I don't know. I mean, a short <laughs> yeah. week. I mean, a short week. He 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 was back to practice last week Thursday. He practiced again Friday, and then had uh, he was limited on Saturday. Played the first half, and then didn't come back. I mean, there's. They said he was playing situationally, but then he, like, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. It's, yeah, I, he, I mean, he had three catches for 30-some yards, and then he vanished. He stayed inside the locker and didn't come back for the second half. Oh, I, just I can explain like a, all of this for you. Um, he's on my fantasy team, and this is usually how it works when you're on Nikki's fantasy team. My, so, I didn't realize we were co-owners because I have him <laughs> too. Yeah, it's, yeah. My, Will you start him this week, Nikki? I, I'll, I'll start him for the sake of the home. Panthers. Bring it home, yes. You're all welcome. <laughs> My, it, it's not like I have a chance anyway. My fantasy team is just a list of people on IR or teams that have COVID and they're not playing or their games got moved. So, if you'd like me to bet money on the Falcons, that seems to be a very good. Uh, that seems to be a very good harbinger of who wins and who loses as well. So, we'll join feel, forces in the name of the Panthers. Yeah, I feel like if it was the Saints or the Bucks and we needed the Falcons to defeat them, they'd be like, "Oh, Julio Jones ruled out on Wednesday, like well, way ahead of time, no problems." Yeah. And with us, it seemed to be like. Oh, Julio Jones, six catches, 184 yards, two touchdowns. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Thank and Eli you. Apple's coming back. So <laughs> get a personal foul, which by the way, 10 penalties, too many penalties, Coach Rule. I am down on you. <laughs> That's it. I'm that out. Was, wow. That was a All the good thing. stuff. You're out of here. I'm out. <laughs> well, it is game time, and it's time for our favorite game, Cam to K1. Yes. So I'm going to give you a name. You're going to give it a grade from 1 to 99, of course, so please use a jersey number. And we'll start with, in honor of uh, Salarte's shirt, Robbie Anderson. Um, Go, I, I mean, uh, Sure, yeah, I'll jump in. How about a Colin Thompson? That's an 86 uh, for the, because they used that three tight end set much more than I thought they would on Sunday. Uh, I mean, obviously, we've talked ad nauseum about Robbie Anderson, and I would imagine we're probably going to talk about him at some point um in in a in a later uh category so um 86 for me through four games i'm giving him a gravion roy i'm giving Mm -hmm. him a 93 because again four game sample size but because he's the security blanket because he's got you know the statistics show that he's second in the league in separation on average with guys over 30 catches 30 targets uh, he's been better than advertised. And like Josh tweeted alongside Joe Person in tandem, I just didn't see this from him. So 93 for me. Screw it. I'm Al Wallace, 96. I wanted <laughs> to go. I, I, I undershot it. Where You know what? When you said through four weeks, I was like, why am I giving him such a low grade through four weeks? He's been everything we wanted him to be. He's been well, more than that. Yeah. He's more than that, yeah. I mean, and- he's meme-worthy. He's out. He's unbelievable when he does post-game press conferences. So, like, you know what? K1 short. I don't know that I've ever given out a K1 short, but that's where we're at. Four, four games into the I season. I'd be here for this history-making moment. 
Yeah. Okay. You're out, you're out there. You're up there. And, and improving that I can't play games. Uh, I give him a Cam Newton because he has played like a number one to me. <laughs> Jesus. You took the other end. There's nothing left. There's no meat on that bone. So in this case, like in poker, an ace is either high or low. So yeah. a one is yeah. either high or low. So I, yeah. Alan, I'm with you, buddy. I'm right there. That's good stuff. <laughs> in fact, wait a minute, hold on a second, because because we're talking about – actually, you brought me on with the uh, king of the Zoom pictures. Let yeah. me give you that one. Yes, there's, there it is. There's my poker chips. He's back. My, my World Series of Poker Chips with my little goalie card cover. So there you go. That's why they call you it. Double Down. That's right. Well, that's why, uh, wrong game, Joe. Wrong game. <laughs> double Down is, is blackjack. Anyway. <laughs> um, our next name, KK Short. Oh, Have boy. we ever actually used him in his game? Uh, I don't know. I don't know whether he has. Um, sorry, KK, if you're listening, but oh, no. um, I I would have to give you like a Lamar Lathan right now. Maybe, yeah. You know what, Lamar Lathan. I, I I assume you've been a great leader in the locker room, and that's the only reason why it's so high. But uh, I didn't hear his name. The only time I saw him making a tackle was like was 12 yards downfield. I didn't hear his name once uh, pressuring the quarterback. And I get it defensive tackle you whatever he's taking up space inside but i heard Derek brown's name a lot so um and yeah kk maybe working through that foot injury but also like this is the guy that we're paying the most money of the entire defense to and ultimately like he's just not lived up to that contract um certainly not this year and injuries it is what it is i love kk as a person but uh on the field it's lamar lathan for me for me, I'm uh, I'm just going with Julian Stanford. I'm giving him 50, uh, and it's because he's played half the games. So he's played two or four games. He had he had injury issues and uh, was not out there. And um, I I I know that his I know that his you know, he's got a ton of great football ahead of him this season. So right now, four games in, it's 50 because of injury and and you know yeah he is he was overshadowed a little bit by Derek Brown last week. But I will say this to to the point of the injury. I mean. Guys don't usually just jump back in after, you know, watching for two weeks and be right there. So I think he'll be, I think he'll be fun. I went a little higher. I actually went Chris Jenkins, 77. Uh, he played the most snaps of any defensive lineman this week against Arizona. And yeah, his name didn't get said a lot, but um, he's in there plug in the middle. And like you said, he's been injured, but ultimately Josh, given the amount of money he's paid, given the contract, 77 is not what you're paying for. So still, I think a, uh, uh, not what we're looking for. Well, that's fair. How about Matt Rule? Hmm. I have to tell you, I feel like it completely changed this week for me. I've, because of the aggressiveness that we saw in offense, I thought in a lot of those first three weeks and in, in third down, fourth down situations, you saw the ball getting taken out of Teddy's hands, out of your normal playmaker's hands. I thought we, we, we saw that. And, and I've sung his praises enough on this episode, um, you know, but, Right now, uh, given the initial check, given the uh, the lack of a pregnancy, given the lack of a nose ring, all those things, um, <laughs> I, I give him a solid uh, Wesley Walls 85. Um, yeah, I think it's it's funny because uh, – sorry, but I didn't mean to cut oh, you uh, I think that it's easier to go last sometimes because you kind of see where everybody else is at. You oh, I, 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 I saw I'm your trick. Changing. I'm not changing. Uh, um, I, I'm, it, uh, for the first couple of weeks of the season, the only thing that we could judge him on was like the way that he had handled COVID-19, like, which was interesting, I thought. And now that we've actually seen him coach, you do see kind of these like fun 
these fun wrinkles that you didn't see, you never saw from the Carolina Panthers. The slow substitution thing was Zach Kerr, and um, and just kind of the, the. It seems like they're they're kind of growing up before our eyes, which is fun. And uh, and and he has been he has been really good as a leader of men, which was the same thing that Ron Rivera was. And I would like to see it over a longer period. But for right now, I would say uh, he is a Greg Van Roten for me. That's a 73. I feel like that's a, that's, it's, it's not bad. It's certainly not bad. It's, it's just, I would like to see a little bit more and, and I'm a little bit more on the pest, not pessimistic side, but I just want to be wary because we are only four games into the season. You don't want these, you don't want these rulings to come back later and haunt you. These, you know, week four rankings. That's right. The Matt rulings. (laughs) Um, I, 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 Locked in on Ian Thomas. I locked in on an 80 for, for Matt Rule to this point. I think that he has shown, I mean, the, the instant, the, basically the instant challenge on the, the call, the incompletion pass, the incompleted pass that was a fumble this past week um, showed me that he was, you know, he's, he's, he's there. That was a good instance where he, oh no, I'm challenging that right away. I don't think they, I don't think they waited. You know, I know they went to break and everything, but I, I don't think there was, you know, I don't, it was there and he went after that. But I think we also saw maybe some, early clock jitters in that mm-hmm. Vegas game Yep. in, in that fourth quarter. Um, you know, maybe not, maybe not the best manager in that instance. So I'm not, I'm not ready to throw him into the, into the, you know, into the Stephen Weatherly area just yet. I think an Ian Thomas through four games is, is a fair assessment. He's been, he's been good. He can be better. And I think he will be better. How about sweet Caroline? Now, are we talking the song? Or are we talking about the tradition of singing it in the locker room after the game? Because any, I have... any of it, any of well, it. The song, I have the, same ar- the, the song has been around and played inside the stadium after every win. Right. That's happened. Yes, absolutely. So, so, Sweet Caroline is not necessarily a new thing. No. Yeah, I mean, I, I love Neil as much as anybody else. I just want to talk about, and I think that Nikki, I don't remember whether this was on air or off air, but the obviously the video came out of the. Um, of, of the Ed Foley singing, um, singing Sweet Caroline. It's a new tradition in the locker room after the game of the team singing it. And they panned over across the team. And there's Brian Burns and Robbie Anderson looking like they had never been to a Jewish wedding before. And the chair was coming out. And they were like, <laughs> what the hell is going on? What is, are they going to, and they're lifting them up? What song is this? What are we doing? Though why are they dancing in a what circle? What are we turned down for? He had that same look on his face like when he saw Sir Purr. It was the same What's kind of feeling doing? and emotion. What's that bear doing? That's my go-to. Yeah. I may actually have to incorporate that in a highlight. What's that bear doing? Even though there's no bear anywhere in the picture. I think you do it when Mitch, when Nick Foles throws an interception. I mean, that's, it, it really lends itself. It's, what, that, do, yeah. what do we have, like two more weeks? I October mean, that, 18th, right? Yeah. If Chris Berman doesn't yell that out like with a, what? What's that bear doing? <laughs> I don't think. See, I don't think Berman will. I don't think Berman will go there. You don't think yeah. he's involved? He knows. He knows about the. I don't think. The I don't think he's on the grass. Like he, he would need a production assistant to explain what's that bear doing to him. I don't think he's that. I don't think he's that in depth with in touch with uh, what the Panthers are doing. More of a chance of a Louis Anderson reference <laughs> than, than a bear reference. Yes. I agree. Uh, so you know, So where are we on Sweet Caroline? I give it zero zero generic number. Wow, Sir Purr, what's what's that bear doing? It gave it a big old bear. 
It is my least favorite Charlotte sports tradition. Well, it's a by, Boston sports tradition. Far. That's my problem with it. There yeah. you go. Take it. You took Kemba. You took Cam. Take this song, too. Be done with it. Well, they, they've kind of had that song. They've kind of been yes. doing that Bo Sox games forever. But yeah. they've also oh, yeah. been doing it, but they've also done it here. I mean, you know, I, I think – I think I can safely say that I'm the only one that's covered this team since its first year. And yes, that's certainly I'm not. Old, I'm the old fart on the Zoom call, which ought to impress all you youngsters out there that the old guy can get on Zoom. And you're wearing the youngest hat, obviously. Well, uh, no, I'm, this is this is actually the Harry Anderson's hat from Mike Court. Okay. <laughs> is there a <laughs> rabbit underneath show. it? That's a good reference. That's a nice reference. But, um, yeah, I, I – I like Neil like everybody else. I've never liked that song. Bye bye, bye bye. So I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm actually. So my grade is is the same as Collins. Mine is the NFL NFL.com shop page where you can customize <laughs> your jersey and they give you double zeros. If they would have taped like the CD to the back of the Jerry statue when they hauled it away, I'd have been fine with that. If it was the only copy of the yeah. CD, yes. There's like, there you but go, you know gone forever. Better. You know there are others. We're not that lucky. Uh, yeah, shout out to my good friend, Den, who has absolutely hated the fact that the Panthers used Sweet Caroline for a really long time. Um, and I'm going to give you – here's – let me just throw – I'm going to give it to Jimmy Clausen. I'm going to move up a couple notches from you guys. And I'll tell you why. Because uh, I, was, I went to a Neil Diamond concert, by the way. Highly recommend when we can, go, when we can escape our houses and go to Neil Diamond concerts again. Uh, <laughs> And He's got he to survive. Played, he has to survive COVID now. That's a great point. But um, we all have to survive COVID. So yes, I will. He's I'll forever. If he if he does, if we all survive this thing and he plays Charlotte, I will go with you. Let's do it. Play. He's forever young. He's never. He's, he's not <laughs> in the not in the uh, danger zone. Uh, he played Sweet Caroline, and Sweet Caroline ended, and then he was like, "Did you like that? Was that pretty good? Let's play it again." And then they just played Sweet Caroline again, back to back. Like that is a. That you can't do that as just a regular like like uh, like PD Pablo is not comfortable. Well, actually, that's a bad example. He plays raise up three times in every concert. So yeah, you, you got to be a real. It's a you're a real magician to come out there and be like play the same song back to back. Especially when you've got a catalog a catalog as expansive as his. Just go back to the well. Just, it's true. We're gonna do it again. Yeah, it's <laughs> all hits at the at the Neil show. All yeah. hits. But it's still, right. still NFL.com slash shop for me. <laughs> all right one more before we wrap this thing up the notion that this team is a contender in what was supposed to be a rebuilding year wow well that is a uh that really is a lot more serious um <laughs> i don't think i still maintain that i don't think this team is a contender for anything other than frisky team that might uh upset somebody down the road um and and play spoiler in the first um, round of the playoffs or in the regular season? In the regular season. Sorry. Sorry. That's fine. That's fine. You, you told me I, I know was ridiculous for suggesting three and one after four games, and I heard Mike say it during this episode. I felt kind of good about myself. So. I could be they, one they, and three they, pretty they, easily, they too. Yeah, they could be uh, four. They could be two and two, three and one, one and three. They could be anything. It's true. I mean, it's, uh, I'll give it uh, – the, the, the world is endless. I will give them a uh, Chris Gamble. I do not think that they are ready to contend ooh. quite yet. But I will say that I am surprised that it's not a uh, surper because that was where I was. I was at a full surper. If they had negative numbers, that was where I would have been um, uh, at the beginning of the season. 
that was the jersey they issued me. It was negative ten. Yeah. My, my uh, to to the to the question on the table, I am right there with you. I'm at a, a, an Eli Apple at twenty. Uh, the, we've said it over and over again. Pump the brakes. They're two and two. They've won a lot of. They won two games where they've looked good. They lost the game. They looked horrible in. They lost another game. They were there, but we got a long way to go. So I think I think putting this team as a contender, a playoff team, anything like that, I think you gotta I think you gotta stop. I I must be just slaying Colin over there. What's I'm pumping Colin the brakes. Doing? I'm pumping the brakes, but I'm, I must be going downhill, guys. I'm I, I really I'm hitting them, and they're just it's just not stopping. Oh no, are you? Where are you? Are I'm you at a happy? Michael Orr. I'm at a seventy-five. I think this team is wow. and this. No, no, not as not as a not as a contender for the for the throne. Okay. But as a, hey, in the mix week 17, maybe you, you, you get a win, you know, one goes this way, one goes that way. I think this team is in the mix um, in, in towards the end of the season. Plus, you got the bonus playoff spot. So, I'm, I'm just saying that is a contender to be in the mix, not as a uh, NFC championship contender. Oh, well, then, heck, if we're going to be talking about in the mix, then I'll, I'll, I'll go right back to 50. Hey, come on. Come on, rise up. Wait, no, that's the wrong team, isn't it? No, we can't do that. We're not, we're not, yeah, I'm not, yeah, we're not doing that. Not wrong week, week, Colin. Wrong week. Um, we're talking about in the mix, but I, I thought we were talking yeah. contender. And contender. I mean, we're just talking about this in brotherhood, right? Isn't that what we're talking about? <laughs> I mean, I mean who, saying- who dat is saying that they are not going to be contenders? Well, I think I don't know any rebuilding, other, uh, rebuilding versus rebu- in the context of we thought this was a rebuilding slash tanking season. I think that contending to me means in the mix because the Jets aren't going to be in the mix. Like that's why I didn't. I don't think there's any chance that this team is legitimately in the final four, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just bear down. It'll be fine. Just bear down. <laughs> Up the G. Hold the G. Up. What is it? Cheese the G. Great the cheese. Cheese the G. Cheese the G. I think it's cheese the G. I think that's the obviously everybody knows that. What do all the kids say? Cheese the G. Hashtag cheese the G. Cheese the G and pump the brakes. That's the name of the episode. I wish we had a. I wish no pack. That's cheese G. I don't even know what that means. Mike, Mike, where can people find you on the the TVs and the internets and whatnot? Uh, On the TVs, Spectrum News One uh, every night, ten thirty with the Chevrolet Sports Night, and uh, we do that show seven days a week, 365, and amazingly, we were doing 30 minutes when we had no sports. So that's, uh, that's it, it's been a year, Nick. It really <laughs> has. Um, but uh, yeah, that's, that's the TV side, and then of course on the old Twitters, at Mike Salarte uh, is, uh, is best, and um, yeah, that's, that's really about it. And we just had the Stanley Cup Finals wrap up. I feel like with Mike on, we have to at least get one hockey thought from you. I gave you, I gave you this. I mean, I gave you the, I gave you the poker picture with my little hockey goalie. <laughs> that, that, that's enough. I mean, look, we're, we got the, you know, on the day we're recording this is the NHL draft. So, Carolina Hurricanes pick thirteenth. There you go. Didn't the playoff? Didn't the Stanley Cup Finals like just end like two yeah. days ago? Well, yeah. I mean, they were off for you know a hundred and some odd days because of the the pause, but then they, they got. They got 24 teams into the bubbles between Toronto and Edmonton, played to 16 teams after play-ins and such, and then they played four rounds of seven, best of sevens, and they did it all without a positive test. I mean, that's remarkable. It's remarkable in the extreme that they were able to do that. So congrats to Tampa Bay on, uh, on the uh, Cup Championship for 2020. That's, it's one nobody's ever going to forget. I think if you win a title in 2020 of any kind, you will never, ever forget it. 
because of uh, because of everything we've gone through to this point. And <laughs> sadly, we're nowhere near the end of this thing. And 30 years from now, we'll all claim to have been at those games. <laughs> but history will prove otherwise because no one was allowed. That's the best part. No, I was there. No, you weren't. <laughs> Colin, where can people find you? Uh, going 14 and 2 the hard way on Twitter at Colin CLT. Yes. Joshua? You're a tough ass football fan, Colin. <laughs> uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Josh Klein Rules with an S. And I'm Nikki704. To all of you, stay safe out there. We'll see you next week. Mike Solarde, your one-day contract is up. Start and with we'll figure out what that Support the vote. And Colin just left.